Hello, we are the Illinois State Board of Education, and we love Illinois schools. I'm Dusty Rhodes in the Communications Department at ISBE. For the next couple of months, students, teachers, and families across the state have the chance to tell school administrators how to improve their learning environment through an annual survey called the Five Essentials. So today, we are going to talk with Dr. Victor Simon, Superintendent of Gower School District 62 in Willowbrook, about the importance of the 5E and how this culture and climate survey relates to our new equity journey continuum. All right, so why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Victor Simon. I'm the superintendent of Gower School District 62. We serve the communities of Burr Ridge and Willowbrook. And I've uh, been here as superintendent for the last, this is my 10th year. In the 16 years prior to that, I was a uh, Chicago Public School administrator, teacher, a bunch of different roles during the time I was there. Let's talk about why you personally have this interest in the equity journey continuum. Um, This is a podcast, so people can't see you, but you're uh, a white guy. Um, I am. (laughs) So um, what is your personal interest in it? Well, I mean, you know, white guy or not, right? I mean, it's like all means all. So, so, you know, white guy included in that equation. I mean, like this is, I'm a fierce advocate for students. You know, I'm unapologetic about that fact. People that know me have heard me talk, have been in my classes, have seen me present anything about education. It's just like, you know, a child's education, I say it like this, it ain't no dress rehearsal. Like, like I want to be casual in the language to get people's attention. So, like, this is that important. My situation is totally different. I'm not a superintendent. I don't have a master's doctor. I'm not even a first-gen college student if it's not for two teachers in my personal experience. A lot of us have those stories. And I still have a chip on my shoulder uh, because of that situation in multiple situations in, in, in my upbringing. But, but essentially, you know, this is about all means all. In my experience, it is just my story, but my experience was oftentimes it's like everyone except you. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, kind of this group, but not so much that group. You know, not the not the poor kid from the public housing project, me. You know, not you. It, it, you're not involved in this. It's these other kids that might have some, a little bit more resource or, or what have you. Be a little more specific about your background. You grew up in Chicago? I did. I grew up in and around Chicago. I'm born and raised in Chicago, proud graduate from Chicago Public Schools. I used to say a proud product or a product of the Chicago Public Schools, and I, I've learned over time, no, it's not product. It's more than that. I, I'm, a, I'm a proud graduate of Curie High School, you know, so go, go Condors, southwest side of Chicago, giant high school there if you haven't seen it. So, yeah, born and, and raised in and around Chicago, and, here, and here's why. Not a lot of public housing options for, for white families in Chicago proper. Uh, I'm a Gen X guy, so, you know, I'm talking back in the uh, 80s here. So, um, you know, Section 8 housing complexes in nearby uh, communities, uh, suburbs. Uh, you know, stay here for a couple years, stay there for a few years. So I, before I graduated high school, my family had moved, um, you know, well over 15 times. I mean, we, we moved a lot because this was, you know, poverty and, and, and domestic violence and, you know, a lot of other kinds of issues that go with that. So, so, so multiple relocations, gang violence, these are all part of my experience as a child. So my family was homeless for a brief period when I was right around 10 years old, very formative age. So I carried as a student a lot of what people might see 
as red flags. Today, we'll call them an ACE, right? Adverse childhood experience. And I know the sting of what it felt to be marginalized, not cared for, not connected with. You know, these are real barriers. I did not feel like all means all. Uh, and this has been the driving force in my work ever since. So it's like I'm one of those sort of people that because of my story and because of the influence of two teachers specifically, Mr. Havel and Mrs. Thelma Bond Johnson was probably the most influential. These two heroes really pushed me in a direction to serve and to get back. And that's, that's why EJC, you know, that's why anything that's talking seriously about all kids. Uh, yeah. Sign me up, you know, let's get to work, roll up our sleeves and, you know, I'm on it. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that's not everything. Uh, I know that schools made assumptions about me based on where I lived or about my free reduced lunch status. I mean, I, I saw it, I felt it. I, you know, I know that lived experience, but anyhow, all that background and what really drove me into this work and education really happened as, as a young adult, uh, home in the summer, first gen, uh, college kid again, but, um, ended up being targeted by some, some known gang members after an altercation and, you know, traumatic situation here, but I was I was shot and nearly killed uh, at at 20 years old. A significant injury, terrible situation, and so that the whole idea about gun violence in schools has just constantly been around uh, me at, for for years now. And um, to to say all that is you know I'm sharing something here pretty vulnerable, but um, anyhow, there weren't many affinity groups for survivors. Uh, of gun violence, and I don't know that there still are too many. So that makes me sort of like different than maybe a traditional school admin path. You know, it wasn't an expectation to go to college. It wasn't an expectation to become a school administrator or, any, or even a professional of any kind uh, necessarily. So, so yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm ranting a bit here, but I'll just thank you for the question and say that's what drove me into this EJC work. And yes, as as a white guy, I mean, that's that that I, I'm driven to help all means all. So so that's what it's about for me, always has been. So let's get back to the EJC. Um, so as an administrator, what do you like about it? And do you think that it's something that can help you and your colleagues actually improve learning? I mean, it, I understand that you are a systems guy, but, you know, there are people out there who are going to say, um, enough of this touchy-feely stuff, we need to teach math. How does yeah. this help you teach math? Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, I love having it framed that way because it's like, you know, forget this stuff. We need to teach math. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm supposed to feel that way, Gen X style or something, I guess, but I don't. I mean, like, it's anyone that's willing to listen to me talk about education, I'll tell them all. It's about three things relationships, relationships, <laughs> relationships. Like, it's so it's not soft stuff. It's not, I mean, like, you can't teach math unless you have the relationship built in with the student. You know, you, you can't teach or improve academic outcomes unless you have a supportive environment in which those academic outcomes can flourish. I know there's people that disagree with that and have high expectations and it's got to be about the standards and we've got to improve this test score and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have the, the, the student, right, like there's a saying out there, like, you don't capture their heart. You're not going to get their mind. Like you, you, if you don't have the relationship, forget the rest of the stuff. Like I just, that's, that's my perspective. 
if, if people disagree with that, then then maybe the EJC is not something they'll use. But I think there, there's even more powerful tools at the ready for them to have the five essentials data, for instance. But yeah, the the EJC uh, relies a lot on the five essentials. A lot of districts don't participate in it. How do you feel about the five E? Uh, a giant fan of the 5E, first of all. So let's just get that bias, strong bias for the five essentials out of the way. Um, strong uh, bias for it. I don't know that it's about districts that they don't have it. Of course, they have it. It's it's about the use of it. And, and a little-known fact that I think is so cool about Gower School District and the work here from our, our board and the admin team is that the very first year that uh, Five Essentials was put in place was the, the, the same year that I was uh, hired to become a superintendent out here in outside of Chicago. So for years in Chicago, Five Essentials was there. I, I used it as a principal. I used it as a chief of schools, which is you know, essentially like a, a, a regional uh, office role. And um, it was fantastic. It was just like the language we had and used, and, and it was a, a tool that could help you improve systems all these interconnecting parts of the five essentials, right? But um, two, two interesting facts. One is that fourth and fifth graders in Illinois were, were not asked the questions early on. They were not participants in the survey until uh, a small little pilot took place with, with us kind of lighting a fire there to get not only ISBE but the five essentials group to unlock fourth and fifth grade participation across the state. So I, I think that's just a nice piece of evidence about all means all. Like, you know, hey, we, we want fourth and fifth grade students, if they can answer this question in Detroit, which they do, if they can answer these questions in Florida where it's used, well, they certainly can answer it in Illinois. So I'm, I'm really glad that that's, that's in place and it has been for some time. That it's, there's a data set out there that's super transformative or could be if we would just not take what steps I see happen too often, which is just dismiss the data. Oh, I couldn't get the parents to fill it out or dispute the data. Oh, well, you know, uh, 89% of my teachers strongly agree or agree. Why is it yellow or something? It's like, well, who said to lump those two categories together? You know, um, So I just don't think it's being used a lot. So that, I don't know, advice for admin is dig in. Um, and if there's is the officials, you know, uh, hearing this or listening to it is like, hey, maybe some investment and more training on it for, for admin because that tool's been around. Part of the value of the five essentials, part of the value is, that it is got the research base that's now going on darn near close to, to 30 years. So the, the validity of these prompts is what's valuable. And I think that could be more transformative and lead to more equitable outcomes for students, respectfully, than the EJC in its current form can. Uh, at least that'd be my, you know, that's my respectful answer to 5E and e, EJC. I have heard, you know, the idea of getting parents to participate in the 5E is the kind of problem that people just throw their hands up and just go, you know, that's impossible, can't happen, which is also kind of the same way people approach, um, uh, you know, students on free or reduced lunch who live in public housing. Uh, can't teach them, just can't. Just, you know, you get the same kind of reaction of that's a problem that cannot be solved. Um, and I know how you feel about the idea of teaching children who uh, come from public housing, you believe it can be done. <laughs> um, of course. But, but so uh, the, the, this problem of how to get parents to um, complete the 5E survey, you said your school 
district gets like 30 percent how do you how do you get that at, at one point to get a report from the five essentials you needed to have 30 percent of parent participation so we've set our standing goal as a district at 35 percent right our pre-k-4 school will hit that with our fourth graders essentially it's just that that, that one group that is sampled out of that school, you know, they'll hit it at 40%. Our middle school might be at, you know, 30 to 35%. Yeah, as a district, we're, we're right around in that 30%. Also, you know, is that high? Is it not high? You know, I'd have to FOIA that information to find out, like, what they all look like across the state. I'm not interested in doing that. But I know from experience that that's a, that's a good number. I get a report, and, and we feel pretty good about that. But it's taken some some time to, to put that out there as not only a tool that we use, but constant reminders to folks about, hey, it's available. We can help you do it here in the school and all that kind of stuff. But, but I mean, we, we could come up with a roundtable of uh, half a dozen administrators and, and walk out with a, a white paper on all great strategies on how to involve parents. I just, to me, it's, it's, it's less about the parent participation and the five essentials because those colors you're going to see on the report. I'm not talking about the EJC report. I'm talking about the five essentials report. Those colors come from student voices and teacher voices. Those colors do not come from your parent voices. That's a supplemental report. So, yeah, we get it. Awesome. But if we don't get it, like, I'm, I'm okay with starting right now because I don't see a lot of attention on it with what our students and teachers have said about our own systems. Let's just use what we have and try to fix what we have to fix based on those voices, if we can get the in, in, engaged family responses to, to move up over time, fantastic. But if I'm working directly with a school district or advising or anything like that, I'm saying, what did your students say? What do you think about that? What did, you, what did the teacher say? What do you think about that? It's months of work, maybe even a year or two or more, before we're really talking about that the, the parent engagement piece on the five essentials, in my opinion anyway. So you know, there's, there's a lot of strategies to get people to do more survey taking, but to me it's more about, hey, let's just look in the mirror as a system, as a school, because our teachers told us something and our students told us something. And if we're not willing to make course corrections based on that, we have bigger problems than, you know, 22% on a parent survey or something. So academic personalism is part of the supportive environment uh, essential, right? Like that, We all think we have supportive environments. We, we try to build them. We want to build them. But when you dig into the actual 5E data and below it, you see this academic personalism measure. That's part of the, uh, the supportive environment. I, just, I don't know them all, but I'm just going to tell you a couple of the ones here that I, from memory here that I know. This is what students say. Okay, students will report that their teacher will help them if they're behind, that their teacher will notice if they have trouble learning something, and that their teacher will explain things in a different way if I don't understand it. That's a child saying that's a student. I should say that's a student, a child saying it. So if you get this data back and you're not seeing academic personalism, particularly strong or even neutral or something like that, that can make some change pretty quickly. That's compelling. You know, a teacher gets their hands on that and they should. That can change things overnight. So I think it's there. I think it's. I think we have a lot of great tools available to us. Uh, the attention on the EJC stuff, but, you know, we'll get into it if it drives more attention to 5E cool. But there's a lot right there. And, and mind you, too, that we can disaggregate this data that I'm talking about, the 5E. We could, you mentioned, you know, earlier about um, trying to disaggregate discipline data by race and not having the ability to do it in a system. 
Hivey does it right here. I click a button and I could see it by different, you know, racial categories and however it's coded, different grade levels, gender. That's powerful business right there. That was Dr. Victor Simon, superintendent of Gower School District 62. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your colleagues and friends. Thanks for listening.